Welcome to AIs and with Andrew and Jen, a podcast where a designer and a data scientist break it down and duke it out over how to create awesome AI experiences. Hi, and welcome back to AI Zen with Andrew and Jen. And today, um, Andrew is going to run the show. So first, I'll say thanks for joining us again. And second, I'll say, Andrew, take it away. All right. Thanks, Jen. So thanks, everyone, for listening again. Uh, As you recall, last episode, we talked about how to start an AI project, including finding problems suitable for AI. Today, we're going to build on that in today's episode. You've decided to start building an AI project, but how do you design it? So, Jen, lead us off. What do I need to think about when designing my AI project? Why, Andrew, I'm so glad you asked me that. So, this is the question uh, I started working on when I first came to IBM, and I was working with the Watson teams, and we were trying to figure out what makes something cognitive. So what I'm going to talk to you about today is work I've been working on for the past three years, and uh, it's been informed by so many people. I won't even list them all out here, but this is a big group effort, and we've run 20 AI camps now, and I'm just going to tell you about the basics, but there's loads more online, both on Medium and then on W3 you can look into, and we'll just add some links to the podcast description, I guess. Yeah. You got it. Got it. Okay. So... Um, how do I start designing? So I think the first thing you need to know is AI is a tool in your toolbox, just like Photoshop or code. It's just another thing you have to create with. It's not a whole new, um, I don't know, something so scary that you have a ton to learn about it. It's you know, it's complex once you get into the algorithm side, but the foundations of it are still rooted in the foundations of design that we've used since forever, which good design is good design. UX, visual, communication, brand principles, they all still apply to what we're doing with artificial intelligence. So that's the first thing I think for designers and, and you know, anyone who's working in it, don't be intimidated everything you know still applies. And then the second thing is it's still user-focused, just like any other kind of design. We're not first asking ourselves, well, what do our users really want and need? Then we're just randomly creating features and trying to stick them in somewhere. So always begin with what do they want as a user, as a business? And then you can get into, well, what could I create to solve for that problem? And then the last thing I think is being strategic, um, which I think is a better word for design thinking than design thinking. To me, that's really what design thinking is, is bringing strategy and design and development all together so that we can have a conversation about all of it at once and prioritize the value we're delivering against the feasibility from a technical standpoint and from a resources slash cost standpoint. So good design is good design. Start with your user and use design thinking to stay strategically focused. Those are my three things. So I loved your pull quote in the beginning, Jen, that design for AI, it's the same thing as design for not AI. And I'm wondering in your AI camps or, or any design sessions that you've done, have you run into places where this was really surprising for people? And if so, how, how do you deal with this? If people want to come in and start talking AI right away, how do you get them to pull back and say, well, all the same design stuff still applies? 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, that was my feeling about it when I first started out. AI is, you know, it's outer space. It's awesome sci-fi stuff. And it takes a while to reel it back and break it. And I think for me, I had to understand the mechanics behind it to realize, oh, this is math. Just like everything. It's math. It's logic. And we can wrap our heads around it. So I think every camp I do has that reset, but I don't do it specifically saying, raise your hand if you're freaked out about AI and designing for it. And I'm going to tell you why not to freak out. Instead, I think it's just the process of going through the camp itself and going through each step. And then as you do it, realizing, oh, I can break it down into a bite-sized process. And yes, there are a few new elements I haven't had to consider and design before, but they're manageable. I think that's how that happens. That, that makes sense. And I, I wish I could bring you on a, a couple engagements that I do. I find as I'm brought in as a data scientist, there's a lot of talk at even at initial workshops about how all the, the AI is going to work. And I feel like that's sort of a uh, almost a second day decision. A, a lot of this, the, the same design principles that you're, you've been describing, we need to start there, even though there's a lot of really exciting stuff, a lot of exciting math or, you know, interesting algorithms that's all behind it. But, you know, we, we can't get away from you, you need to consider that user experience and all the usual good design principles right up front. Yeah, I, you that was the first thing you said in last week's discussion when I asked you, Andrew, how do you build AI? You said, well, I don't think about the data first. I think about the user and what problem am I trying to solve? And it's the same, which is why I think this is more about strategy. When we call design thinking, design thinking, you automatically ostracize people who aren't familiar with design, even though they're completely capable and probably have these same processes just by a different name. That's a great point uh, about the name design thinking. I like that, Jen. So, okay, well, we've, we've laid out how uh, design for AI is the same as design for not AI, but I suspect that's not 100% true. I think there are some parts where there's uh, different challenges based on uh, the inclusion of AI. Do you mind talking about some of those? Absolutely. Um, I'll start with the fact that what we're trying to do with AI at IBM is not artificial intelligence like you see in the movies, it's augmented intelligence, which means we're trying to combine the best worlds, the best of what man and machine have to offer so that we help humans do whatever they do better and easier. So I like to think about it in terms of what humans are good at and what machines are good at and how those things complement each other. So humans are good at things like intuition, emotional IQ, common sense, uh, being creative. And machines are good at probabilities and analyzing big amounts of data and taking orders and being objective. And those two things, when you flip them around, are the things that the other ones aren't so good at. Humans aren't necessarily great at analyzing big amounts of data and machines aren't great at emotional IQ and common sense. So it's kind of this perfect marriage. This I think of machines as this new appendage that we have to work with. So when our goal is to make humans better, I want to be specific of what it's not about. It's not about making decisions for humans. It's not about disempowering humans. And it's not about 
replacing humans. So that's where I start with what's unique about AI um, and designing with it from things we've designed for in the past. In the past, we were designing transactions where we would say, uh, computer, do this, and then the computer gives us that. And now we're talking more about designing relationships because these machines can process such large amounts of data that we can have a history with them and they can adapt to our needs on their own. So that's unique. There are a few other unique things, um, especially users. When we design or how we've designed in the past for user experiences is we've really talked about personas and personas have a tendency to get demographic very quickly. You put a photo up uh, that represents this group of users. You describe where they live and maybe an age range and maybe their likes and dislikes. And with AI, I find it's much more valuable to wipe that away and instead think about styles of thinking, modes of thinking, and slicing your users up that way, that helps us focus the whole problem around looking at the kinds of things our users want to accomplish and solving for that, rather than grouping them in terms of demographics, which inevitably will become embedded in your algorithm if you start the conversation there. So this is about bias and the nature of the tool that we're working with and being cognizant of that fact. So thinking about users a little differently is definitely unique. Data is entirely unique and we have so much to learn about it. But when it comes to design, I think there are three things you have to consider is what data is out there in the world that might improve my user and my business's experience. What data does the business itself have that I can draw on? And then what data is the user providing that I could use. And for all of those, you have to think about what data is public and what data is private and balancing the cost to risk ratio. If something's private and you're going to ask your users, hey, uh, do you want to opt in to sharing X? You have to consider if they do share X and you have a security breach and you lose that information, is the benefit it's providing to your users through your AI design worth that risk or not. So not just grabbing data from anywhere or just asking your backend developers, hey, what data is my system already capturing that I can use? But thinking about data creatively, broadly, and again, strategically and measuring if it's worth taking the data risk. I have to interrupt you. You have so many great points. I want to go back and and, uh, revisit a couple of these. Uh, so the first thing I really like that you called out was that the, the purpose here is for making humans smarter. And I really see that in our most successful projects. You, you take, you, like you outlined perfectly, the humans and machines are different, are, are um, optimized or, or perform well at different things. Right? And it's really the combination of those two that, that brings out the, the real magic, the, the, the best success. So I thought that was really great because a lot of times we think we see the commercials and we think, oh, Watson's it's it's a like the Terminator or it's going to be some <laughs> right. thing, right? But really, the best way is is to um, is to help humans make their own decisions smarter by sifting through the uh, sifting through large amounts of data that in the way that AI is good at 
and getting the best information to a human more quickly. Yeah, that's right. Second great point you had on was well, on the personas, how you really thought about how you typically start with uh, a photo or, or a, a, a persona soon devolving into a demographics thing and how you think this starts implicitly biasing the system. And uh, I think you went over it a, a little quickly, but we see all sorts of cases about you know, the way systems are, are designed or the way um, AI systems are built. They're trained on a certain subset of data and they're run against a different kind of user population, often to disappointing results. And this really turns off, it not only turns off users, but it can get you into all sorts of problems, right? It totally does. And if you, you know, it, it comes down to labeling. If you're going to group your data in terms of demographics, you're not going to, it's not going to have the impact that it would if you think about what these people really want to accomplish. So I think that, I think that in this way, AI is so interesting in that, ironically, the thing that we're, we're afraid will be biased towards us and maybe we'll take over the world one day is the thing that's opening our eyes to how, how broad the impact of our own biases in these experiences that we're creating. Yeah, that's really worth repeating that oftentimes the bias from these algorithms comes from ourselves. It's not from the machine, it's from the people. And you have to be so mindful of that at every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. I can't take credit for all of this. Um, I, for relating it to AI, yes, but there's a woman, her name is Indy Young. She was the co-founder of Adaptive Path. And she, it, the idea of you know, removing demographics and making it about thinking and behavioral styles, this is all her work. And um, if anybody's more interested in this, go online and, and look at Indy's page on Medium. She's got incredible stuff written about it. Awesome. One, one more thing that you, you alluded to earlier, I just wanted to call it again, you, you call it risk analysis. Um, I, I think of it in a slightly different way. Uh, I think about what are the mistakes that your system can make, uh, could possibly make, and what are the risks of those things? Um, generally, there's two kinds of mistakes you can make, a false positive or a false negative. And depending on your industry or your use case, there can be vastly different consequences for each of those. Oh, we have to talk about that more. Not today, but definitely we have to unpack that because that's so fascinating. It's a good teaser for episode three or a future episode. Yay! And we'll, we'll plug here. If, you, if there are any other topics you'd like us to cover, please let us know in the comments and in, in Twitter, LinkedIn. There's lots of ways to find us. Please let us know yeah. what you'd like to hear about next. Absolutely. So there was one more thing I wanted to mention that's different about designing with AI, which is the kinds of things we can now design for. And this is, I think about it like when you open Photoshop or you open Sketch and you have this box of tools on the left-hand side that you choose from and then you select, you have new tools over there um, and they're called the automation tool, the conversational interaction tool, the optimizing efficiencies tool, the insights, predictions, recommendations, and support tool, the personalization tool, and the transparency into what the AI is doing tool. And these are all views on how you want to wield your AI tool and how you are going to think about creating 
um, infusing AI from the end to end experience, not just creating silver bullets. So all of those things are specialties that AI is really good at delivering right now. There are things AI isn't good at delivering right now, um, like really easily understanding natural human communication skills, or, or it can't connect to every AI on the planet. But I think knowing how to limit your AI opportunities down to just those six or seven use cases really helps us scope in our minds how we're going to start with our AI design and where we're going to take it. Fantastic. So can you wrap it up for the, the users here, for our listeners? What, what should they keep in mind to design for success with AI? Yes. Uh, number one, think about your users in terms of modes of thinking and what their true motivations are. Get to that when you're thinking about what their intents are. The second thing is the business that is creating or owns the AI is also your user. And the best way I can explain this is picture that you have two um, bots on your desk. And one of them is Vice Magazine bot. And one of them is the Vatican's Pope bot. And you ask them both, hey, bots, what should I do this Saturday? Do you expect different answers from those two bots, even though you're asking them the same question? Because they embody the values of the business or the entity that they represent. So everything that we use AI for, you know, right now, if you're working at IBM, it's representative of IBM's values. Or if you're working at Facebook or Google, same thing. So we really have to think about what is this AI? Why is someone coming to this particular AI and asking it? What, is, what do they expect to get from it? And then also, what does the business want to get from this AI? Because on the back end, you also can be thinking about the data that your new experiences are generating and how the business could use that data to get better at what it does, whether that means you're just looking at how users are using your experience and using that information to improve it in the future, or maybe they're providing um, data that allows you to make, you know, analytical business decisions later on. So that's another new thing. Know your data and be creative with it. So know not just what your system already collects in terms of data, but what it could collect. And then focus on the general opportunities to narrow uh, what you're going to design for down the, the general AI opportunities. So decide if you're going to think about automation this round, or you're going to think about personalization. But if you try to think about everything at once, it can be overwhelming. So just take it one step at a time and, and you get through it. I, I love it. And design thinking or design principles, good strategy. It all still applies. All of it all the time. All right, Jen, bring it home. Okay, well, Andrew, this has been another really fun conversation. Everyone listening, I hope it was valuable. We'll post some links for you to click to if you're interested in more. But in 10 seconds, we're up to our 20 minutes today, Andrew. So thanks again. It was really fun. Thank you. Subscribe, leave comments. Please let us know what you think. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>